You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. Hey, what you got there, Mickey? Oh, it, is that a... Uh, it looks almost like Hillary Clinton's reset It's button, a reset but it's not. button. What is it? Yes. Oh, does it? But it doesn't say reset, does it? That was easy. It's actually a Staples easy button, but we're calling it a reset button. Okay. Let's today. pretend it said reset on top. It, Famously, Hillary Clinton brought a reset button to uh, her, uh, maybe her first uh, meeting with, I don't know, Lavrov or Putin or somebody in hopes Lavrov. of resetting relations with Russia. It didn't work. Apparently, also, the word they used for reset was uh, some sort of, had some sort of unfortunate made, translation the, in Russian. The word was overcharge. Yeah. So it's not. Well, better than, be, better than. <laughs> Kennedy in Berlin saying we are all jelly donuts when he meant to say we are all Berliners. I don't know. Uh, the Anyway, overcharge is maybe not even a, a crazy uh, metaphor for the Biden Build Back Better plan. That was easy. <laughs> oh, I, uh, thought you, I, I thought this meant we were going to talk about uh, Ukraine, Russia, but no. I we're, know. We're on we, the, should, we should talk about Ukraine, Russia. That's topic A. So let's talk about that. Oh, I don't. I don't have any radical insights, though, and maybe you well, have, I have. I mean, we'll get to it for sure. But, but. Uh, well, I, I read. Uh, uh, I, I read. Okay, well, you want to talk about Biden first? Talk about Biden first. Sure. Whatever I mean, you there say. Was press, there was the press conference. He, right. he, this was this was a, a milestone. His set. What his second press conference or what? I think in so. A year. And, it, and and he went on for two hours, and I think he. Put a dent in your that. theory that he's not up to the job. I mean, he was he stood for two hours. He, I, I, I didn't watch it. I read the transcript. <laughs> he seemed no more incoherent at the end than he was at the beginning. And you know, he made he made this huge faux pas allegedly. Well, faux pas that starts war doesn't count as not having your shit together in your book. He's never Hasn't had. A war he's yet, always but. committed huge faux pas. I mean, he obviously has uh, he, he 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 was bloviating exactly the way he always bloviates with his some he thinks he has some grand theory that somebody's given him about Russia is trying to find its place between China on the one hand and Europe on the other and you know um it it, it doesn't seem to really mean much I I have he, the, the full power was that he said well if Russia only does a minor incursion there would probably be less sanctions than, than if they do a major yeah, we, invasion. We, yeah, we would have more trouble getting our allies to agree on sanctions was kind of the, on significant right. sanctions. And then I take it the ally where we'd have special trouble with is Germany? Could be. I mean, they, they're the ones with the, the Nord Stream, uh, is it the Nord Stream, whatever pipeline yes. it is, matters to. Uh, the, the um, I mean, here's my take on his cognitive status is one thought I had. I didn't watch that much of it. I just kind of turned it on for a randomly selected 10 minutes to get a sense of things, but it was near the end. And he was clearly proud of his stamina. Uh, I, I, I think, I don't know what kind of preparation went into this, but I'm not <laughs> sure it was totally devoid of pharmaceutical intervention. I, I don't know. He, he seemed primed and ready to last for at least two hours and, and kind of brag about it. But that aside, one thing I thought was, you know, one thing he has in common with Trump is that if you read a train, if you just read a transcript of what they're saying, you would in both cases say, are you sure English is his native language? But if you're watching them, you know what they mean. OK, that is true of both of them. But there are two differences. One is that 
If you read a transcript from Trump 20 years ago, I think it reads about the same. I think if you read one from Biden 20 years ago, it would read more coherently. I think he is on a more rapid decline than Trump by long slot, long shot. The other thing is the sheer velocity of speech, right? I mean, Trump, Trump doesn't have these long pauses where he's trying to find the right word and, and, and half the time finds it winds up finding the wrong one. So I, to me, this all just reinforces the idea that the Democrats need to have a secret meeting and, and, and figure out who's going to run in 2024 because it should not be him. Well, I, I agree with that, but I mean, I, you know, I, I, as always, I will say, uh, Bob, that I have a higher IQ than you do, buddy, I think. And that's what Biden said in New Hampshire in 1988 when he- Wait, wait, hold up. Are you really really saying it to me just out of curiosity? No. (laughs) I'm saying that that's what Biden said when he flew off the handle in 1988 in in an incredible performance that uh, forced him to drop out of the presidential race. And, uh, you know, and he came up with four, five credentials, four of which were bullshit. So he was a bullshitter back then. Uh, and also the, the similar theme of, of the excesses, you know, calling calling people who vote against uh, more drop boxes, Bull Connor, uh, is very similar to his, you know, his subtle invocation of the race card when he was Obama's ready mate saying, they're going to put you all in chains. And it's very similar to what Jimmy Carter did. You know, Carter was a very civil guy, kindly man until he got partisan and then he turned into a vicious asshole. So um, uh, my new paradigm my new paradigm for Biden, I was thinking of and this was suggested by a, a Twitter commenter. The new paradigm is maybe he's not a kindly old grandpa, maybe he's an asshole. Doesn't or a quite kindly fit. old doesn't asshole. quite fit. Doesn't quite fit. Because he obviously um, is sort of a kindly old grandpa. But um I, you know, we all, it's kind of like you, you know, it's like, is it the you we see out here or the you we see in the parrot room? You know, it's like night and day. Um, no, it's not. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is the, uh, by the um, way, thanks. Which to, one's uh, better? What? Which well, that's one? what people have to pay to see Mickey. <laughs> okay. And by the way, uh, I, thanks to those who apparently actually did pony up to go into the parrot room and see me take my COVID test last week. I seem to be okay. Oh, by I the way, take, yeah, are you, yeah. you, because you made the mistake of swabbing your nose and you were supposed to swab your throat. The, the next day I did a throat nose combo. I don't want to get too graphic oh, here. Oh God. But, uh, I, I took two subsequent tests that were also negative. Well, that's what they say to do. That's what some people say to do. I hope you do the throat uh, the, before the nose. Well, I did, but do we, speaking of, look, if we're going to go all the way here, I just want to say. <laughs> Jesus. The the business model, you know, it did it did work. I mean, I wasn't faking it. I thought maybe I had COVID. I did have some kind of cold or something, so it was authentic. But I, it did not escape my notice that it seemed to work as a business model. That it got people to go to Patreon.com/slash/ParrotRoom, and uh, and and see me take the test. So, what right. I just think we should stick with it. So, folks, today in the Parrot Room, in the Parrot Room, on camera. Mickey is going to have a colonoscopy. Is that right, Mickey? <laughs> uh, no. Um, the uh, okay. Next week, folks. Uh, the um, although my doctor did ask for a Zoom interview appointment in a month, so I don't know exactly 
what he expects me to show him in a month. But uh, uh, he's he, anyway. He's um, interested in other things. Uh, we can do that. We can telecast that live. No thanks. Think about uh, it. So, uh, but I do. I also have a reset. I also have a reset for the for the parrot room, Bob. You do because yeah because. You know, last week I got all defensive about name dropping and tried to not drop names. The, the yeah, new, too the, defensive because after the parrot room we talked, and you had all these great stories. The about new these paradigm. The new paradigm yeah. is all name dropping. Uh, totally. Drop, yeah, that's all drop we do. As in the many names room. as I can. I don't care if people find it obnoxious. The only way to tell stories is to drop the names, and I don't have that many names. Yeah. I got it. I got it. It's like my mother when I had a debate with. Uh, Frank Mankiewicz and I attacked him for using his connections to get ahead as a lobbyist in Washington. She you said, call him Frank, by the way. Yeah, go no, ahead. I don't, but but uh, she said, "Well, the poor man, his connections are all he has. Of course, he's going to sell his connections, <laughs> right?" So the the five names I have to drop are all I have. So we're going to drop them. You've got more names than that. Uh, uh, they're they're going to be and, dropping. Um, I mean, they, I mean, I'm I'll probably drop names during this thing too. Uh, so I should so, be happy so, with Biden because the two things I was worried about him doing, he hasn't done, which is enact the child tax credit, refundable child tax credit. I don't mind the non-refundable mm -hmm. tax credit. And he basically at the news conference sort of poured a lot of cold water. Hold on. on you that said idea. you don't mind a non-refundable tax credit? No. Well, you that, so you so you so you're fine with it if it doesn't help really poor people? I'm fine with it if it has a work test that can help work uh, low-income working Americans. Well, that's different. The work from test the is very minimal, Bob. It's like it has you have to have some connection to the labor market, okay, and it helps but that's a whole a lot of help, helps a whole lot of poor people as it does now. And I'm happy to increase the amount. Uh, yes, it okay, does. It wouldn't help. The, it would not help a chunk of Mickey, the poor people. Stop! Who are I'm just making the point that the distinction between refundable and non-refundable is not the same as the distinction between work test and no work test, right? No, that's the, it's exactly the same. No, it's not refundable. Yes. Oh, so you're saying a, a non-refundable means that your income has to be at a certain level before you will benefit? Yeah, and you're and you're saying the income must come from will presumably come from work. So there's right. no, in your scenario, there's no actual verification that they're working. They just have to report some income to get the tax credit. There are sub schemes that you have to, you want it. It's okay. easier if you if you go on last year's work and you have a W-2 or a W-4, you can, IRS can, you know, you can, the, even okay. if the IRS so, doesn't have your tax forms, you can show them a. Uh, so I was confused about that. Now, one thing that may bother you, I, I mean, you're, I think you're pretty sure tax credit is dead, 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 so it won't bother you. But no, I think it, it, it might be revived with some sort of work test that satisfies Manchin. It might, then Manchin may cave. You don't know. We don't here's, know. But here's something that may scare Biden you. Biden certainly seemed pessimistic about it. Let's put it that okay, way. Okay, there was a piece in the Washington Post. Now, this was about a week ago. Things have happened since then. But anyway, uh, a reporter named... Uh, well, Sotomayor, actually, I don't know if she's any relation, but uh, she did a piece where she went and talked uh, to people who are uh, Democrats who are up for reelection and are in these competitive districts, almost entirely districts that went for Trump. Right. And she talked to them and she said what these candidates are, these Democratic candidates want from Biden is, uh, you know, to resurrect elements of the Build Back Better. And uh, and here's a quote. 
they're trying to to convince uh, him and other leading Democrats, quote, that that holding votes on narrow measures such as curbing prescription drug costs and extending the child tax credit would help Democrats make a case that they can improve voters' lives economically. I guess what you would say is as long as they mean uh, non-refundable, you're fine with that. Yes. And, but they and probably also, don't mean that. They probably don't mean well, that. Well, they, they, they probably don't. But the question is, would would a non, would a non-refundable tax credit uh, help them? And the answer is it probably would. But keep in mind that the tax credit, the, the child tax credit is the one part of the Biden agenda that does not test well. Even Matt Iglesias, an ardent proponent. Okay, yeah, this is my reply he, to that. And he admits, well, you, so one reporter, that isn't even no, a direct no, 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 quote. No. The one reporter talks to a couple of candidates who say it? No, no, big fucking deal. No, no, here's what I'm saying. It's possible that people talking about poll numbers, when you poll people and say it doesn't poll that well, could be right. And yet these people could also be right, which is if you want to win the swing districts, if you want to have any chance of maintaining our majority in Congress, you need the child tax credit. Well, Those are two it, compatible facts. Yes, but I, but they're not compatible if it turns out that it's not popular among independents, which I don't think it is. Well, so, these people beg to differ. They're the ones running for for office. I don't think the reporter who, made this who are stuff they? up. How many, how many congressmen, Congress people did she talk to? Uh, I can. And are they are they actual sitting Congress people? Or are they people who have no chance? Yeah, they're people. They're, they are people running for reelection, like Spamberger, yeah. and I mean, I don't know if they all said this very thing. Well, but a lot of middle of the road people have, have latched onto this, like like uh, James Bennett's brother. Uh, uh, Colorado, because it's a nice middle of the road thing that that they can do and makes them seem like they're, uh, you know, they're they're do gooder Democrats. Yet it seems to pass muster with a lot of relatively conservative people. And and it's a nice, safe place to be. Uh, And, and, you know, but that doesn't mean it's number one in the voters minds. Uh, You know, the, the problem with Biden is, you know, people want him to fight inflation. But it's not clear what you can do to fight inflation. Uh. I mean, Jimmy Carter tried Tax to fight inflation. Well, you, and, and you, and you can let in a, a, a huge numbers of immigrants to lower wages. You can do that. Uh, uh, and, tax uh, the rich. and tax the rich has an instant effect on inflation. Well, deficit spending supposedly has a pretty uh, quick effect on inflation. And this is the opposite of deficit spending. Uh it wipes out deficit spending and it can even put you in the black, uh, you know, on a cash flow basis. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's anti, you know, cutting taxes is inflationary. I mean, unless you're a, a total whack job, you know, supply cider, cutting tax. Uh, I'm not even sure they claim it. They probably do. But cutting taxes is inflationary. Raising taxes is is the opposite. I mean, uh, it, you know, it does that so by the public having public is clamoring for raising taxes. I guess maybe on the rich. Well, 99% of them would be fine with it. Yeah. And now, it has that effect by at the same time, you know, probably slowing the economy. The ideal thing is to come up with these miracle solutions that, you know, tame inflation without slowing the economy and there are some as it happens we're in a period we're in a moment where there are things like that if you could magically clear up supply chain problems and so on and you know you mentioned last time that there is real hope that uh you know the omicron wave 
we both think it will be short-lived and uh, we could be in a very different world uh, pretty soon. In fact, I came across a couple of pieces saying that. There uh, there was um, a piece in this uh, Stat News. It's a kind of a scientific uh, publication um, saying that uh, by the time it crashes, meaning Omicron, the, the immunological landscape in this country and in much of the world is going to be profoundly altered. Far more people will have some immunity and so on. Uh, the, and then there was a piece in the New York Times, op-ed piece, making the same point by some eminent uh, well, doctor guy at, at Harvard. Uh, and also, but also kind of making the point that in a way, uh, the relative lack of lethality of Omicron um, is a sneak preview of that world. Uh, he says, this is a quote, you, you may have heard that Omicron is less severe than Delta. That looks to be correct. But once the role of immunity in preventing severe illness is accounted for, it is not that big a difference. So we were, we've already been seeing some of the benefits of immunity through a combination of vaccination and infection. And their point is there will be even more immunity, significantly more when this thing subsides and it's already apparently peaking, it's already kind of peaked, it but seems well, like. In a, in when you're a, looking for magic solutions to uh, inflation without creating the economy, uh, first note that the jobless claims rose to perilously close to the 300,000 level, uh, which is the sign that the economy is going down. So it was like 286 or something like that. New jobless Wait, the claims. sign that the economy is going down? The sign that the job market is definitely cooling is when I always thought the rule of thumb was if the jobless claims go over 300,000. And they're at 286 okay. now, and so if they, they only have a little way to go. And, and so we could be faced with stagflation, which is inflation at a time when the economy is well, that's it's not theory, in recession. Yeah. It's it, 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 when the job market is bad. And the traditional... That always makes me reach for the Weitzman plan, which is uh, Harvard economist Martin Weitzman's idea that uh, to attack stagflation by requiring companies to pay workers uh, a large chunk of their pay on the basis of a profit-sharing agreement, not because it encourages gooey labor management cooperation, but because it, in, in effect, Every time they hire somebody, it lowers the wage of everybody else just a little bit. So it encourages firms to go out and hire in a way that's not inflationary. So it's 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 potentially a cure for stagflation. I actually sent a memo to somebody in the Obama administration proposing it. And he said, yeah, it was on the list, but Obama didn't go for it. Uh, and one reason people don't go for it is that Weitzman himself has sort of abandoned it. Uh but because he tested it out in Japan and it didn't seem to produce very big results in Japan, but his partner Freeman has not abandoned it as far as I can see. So uh, anyway, I just throw that memo. out there as a possible stagflation solution. But other, it's a lot better than wind buttons. Remember, Jimmy Carter fought inflation. Whip with wind inflation buttons. now? No, that was Gerald Ford, I think. Oh, that was Ford. Buttons. You're right. No, no, Bob Strauss had the wind button. Yeah, okay, it was Ford. Whip inflation yeah. now. Okay. That did it. I wonder what and, a wind button. Remember Nixon, Nixon, Republican, imposed wage right. and price controls. That is amazing. I wonder what a wind button goes for now on eBay. But um, you're right. And the, the, the constant temptation is to impose some sort of controls, which would be bad. Anyway, uh, 
So Biden may have given up on the child child tax credit. Maybe not. And the other thing I was worried about, about, of course, was immigration amnesty. And even though it would be a potential inflation cure, not worth it, but a potential inflation palliative, uh, I don't think an amnesty is going anywhere. I think Mayorkas is still going to open the spigot and let in as many, uh, you know, immigrants under fake uh, asylum claims as possible, and it'll be numbered in the millions. But, uh, but, uh, and I think that's intentional, but I don't think there's a general amnesty. So I should be happy with Biden, but I'm not. And why aren't you? I don't know why. Well, uh, I would like, I, if he doesn't do those two things, I would like him to be an effective democratic president. I would like him to, uh, make the healthcare system better. I would like him to uh, make the economy better. It would be better if he hadn't uh, over-goosed the economy and the stimulus bill and brought us uh, a resurgence of inflation. That was completely unnecessary. Uh, and uh, and I do think, uh, you know, the, the, um, the Afghanistan thing, which I support, uh, may have... Uh, international repercussions in that we did it so badly that people think we're incompetent and they can push us around and Ukraine will be sort of one test of that. I don't uh, think, no, I think the standard reading, I mean, I don't buy any of you, but I, I think that the standard thing to say along the lines of what you're saying is that the very idea of withdrawing from Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm saying is what, what hurts said. our credibility. Yeah, so that's a new take. That's a new and no, interesting I, I take. No, I say that take. Should we talk is that, about- Is that Ukraine? Yeah. Uh, sure. What's your, I I mean, we haven't, you know, Blinken, uh, had a thing today that so far as I know, didn't produce a a breakthrough. He, uh, he met with Lavrov in Kiev, I guess. I don't, you know, first I see on the web all these things about how, uh, Trumpists are being irresponsible and, you know, that, uh, I don't, I, I haven't seen it. As far as I can see, the Trumpists have, have hewed to their resistance to getting involved and it's the people like Ben Rhodes who have been, uh, you know, sort of more bellicose. And what I don't understand is, uh, you know, it, it, this was written by a, some a conservative on on the Washington Examiner named Tom Rogan. Uh, Putin may ask for written responses to his demands. Okay, we we don't even give him the written response. Uh, Rogan's point was even giving him a written response would be a sign of respect that he would appreciate, okay? And the second thing is, what's the substance of the response? I don't see why we can't, you know, better than better than uh, threatening sanctions, which are not going to work because Russia has huge cash reserves and we and the Europe needs its oil, its oil and gas, so they're not going to crack down on that. Uh, better than sanctions, give him a reasonable concession on NATO. I mean... Why, why do we have to, why can't we promise, you know, for 25 years, Ukraine will not be a part of NATO? We don't, you know, NATO people can well, veto new members. We're vetoing Ukraine. We're going to support Ukraine, but, but no, you know, we're not, why is that such a horrible thing to do? Uh, give him some well, substantive it's a, concession. It's a politically difficult thing to do because of the blob. I mean, I well, don't, just, uh, well, go ahead. Not that's just, just saying it's 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 bad because of the people who are s- oppose it. Well, yeah, of course. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you know, early on in the formation of the resistance four or five years ago, when it started to include the Bill Crystals and Max Boots of the world, I said, wait, this is a trap. You know, like in my in my blob paranoia and my neocon paranoia, I said, what one thing that's going to happen here is these guys are going to endear themselves to liberals who hate Trump. And then next time a big, you know, foreign policy, mili- you know, militarism issue arises, they're going to be on the side of the uh, militarism or at least going to be on the hawkish side. And absolutely, you know, if you looked on Twitter, when Biden made that gaffe in the press conference, who, you know, about saying, well, if it's only a limited incursion or whatever, look at the people who were making a lot of noise, getting a lot of attention by freaking out, the Bill Crystals of the world. Now, that's just a tangent uh, to 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 remind people that sometimes even but, even paranoids have enemies. But nobody's doing right the real neocomposition, which is we should— Send, except for Walter Russell Bead, we should send troops there and uh, actually defend Ukraine against Russia and risk a war. Well, we're that, stuck in this no-win situation, yeah. but we're going to threaten sanctions that we know won't work. Okay, but that's the neo-composition. Uh, it's insane. Well, but first of all, I think they they understand. There's no way we're sending troops in there. I mean, one virtue of what Biden has said is he signaled that so clearly from the beginning that they're not even going to try. That That's a lost cause, assuming they would want that. But the question you asked was, well, why can't Biden just say, okay, uh, you know, NATO's not happening in Ukraine. And I think the answer is all of the domestic uh, political pressure largely generated by the blob, including its neocon resistance wing, which has gotten more influential among liberals by virtue of the resistance, which again is kind of a tangent, but but the short answer to your question is, I think he fears the uh, domestic political blowback, and, and you know the blowback they have kind of something to be said for their position, which is well, should we make uh, big concessions like that in the face of the the threat of the of the use of force or something? And I would say in that case. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty, it actually it's pretty easy because uh, for one thing, there's no way Putin is going to try to take all of Ukraine and you can just reverse the position. You can make it conditional. You can say, should Russia ever invade Ukraine, then all bets are off. You you know, and as far as NATO goes, you could say that. So I don't, um, I just don't see this winding up as being Munich all over again in any event. But uh, well, so you anyway, w- that- You would not yeah. make this concession? It seems to me- well, you know, or oh, what if we what if we stand f- firm and the French, you know, force this concession on us? I mean, part of the problem with what Biden says is when I when I'm when I'm negotiating with a rival and I say, uh, you know, why don't you do why don't you do this? Why don't you have a minor incursion? That's the last thing the rival wants to do. The rival doesn't want to do what you invite them to do. The rival wants to do something that you hate. Uh, so that w- the danger is that saying minor incursion encourages Putin to do a major incursion. Uh, uh, You want him to sort of force you, you want him to do a minor incursion, you want to be really annoyed at the minor incursion. Uh, uh, So, you know, why can't uh, the French force us against our will to make this NATO concession? Um, no, we should have made well, it years ago, obviously, but, uh, you well, know. Yeah, we should have, A, we should have never expanded NATO, right. and then B, for sure, and, and a lot of people agree on this even in, in, within the blob, uh, 
George W. Bush should not, in 2008, against the wishes of Europe, he had to strong arm the Europeans into agreeing, issue, you know, issue this statement. I think it was a NATO statement saying eventually, you know, Ukraine and Georgia will will be part of NATO. A, that w- that has caused a world of trouble. There's a very good uh, Substack by Adam Tooze that also points to that. Yeah, no, oh, that was a big thing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, one question is why should Biden be bound by an idiotic promise uh, made by the president who got us into the Iraq war, you know? Why not, you know, I mean, if Trump can pull us out of the Iran deal, which was actually working, can't a Democratic president disavow an idiotic promise made by a guy who was clearly a foreign policy disaster, George W. Bush? Or why can't we do a missiles in Turkey thing where- uh, Well, we're offering a little- Like like Kennedy in the Cuban Missile Crisis, we, we go to Putin and say, look, we're not going to expand NATO. We promise that, but we're just not going to make it public because it would be too embarrassing. Uh, oh, I see. Well, and and, uh, and, 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 but yet it does become public. So it becomes known that Putin re- re- got this concession from us. We just don't humiliate ourselves in public. Um, first of all, I guess, you know, removing the missiles from Turkey was something we did and then it was done and he knew it was done. Promising not to do something on the other hand, good like point. join. I mean, well, part of Putin's concern also is the inter-administration continuity, which clearly is a problem with American foreign policy, right. as Trump and the Iran deal showed. That's why he wants it on paper. You know, he 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 wants he wants to at least make an, a next president formally rescind something, even if it's just an executive order. And that's all it could be because Biden ain't getting Congress on board with anything what, uh, along what, these lines. Why is it in Ukraine's interest? to constantly talk of NATO, all it does is piss off Russia and get them invaded. Why can't they be an ally of NATO, not part of NATO? Uh, and, uh, you know, they won't have the automatic NATO protection, but it's better off if the Russians are scared to take over the whole country. That's their protection. So It's uh, a good, uh, you know, it's what, a good question. It's, I mean, one question, and by the way, speaking of missiles, we have signaled a readiness to do deals in that since like change where certain American forces are positioned in Europe, make them less close to Russia or whatever. Well, why don't but we do it in writing? I think we're willing to do that in writing. It's just, it just, uh, we haven't I, done anything in see- writing. No, but I think we would be willing. I think we would be willing to do that do something along those lines, but, uh, or just do it and show them we did it or something. But, um, you know, as for Ukraine, it's a good point. And it's related to the question of whether there isn't something Biden could say that that wouldn't 100 percent freak out the blob, which I'm not sure he needs to fear. Anyway, I mean, how much lower can his poll numbers go? Right? Well, how it's many like, voters does the blob have? They have like exactly. They have like That's 500 people proved. in Manhattan. That is what and Trump another showed 500 us. in Washington. That is what Trump showed us. Actually, they don't give a shit whether you bow down to the grave of John McCain they, they, it wasn't a grave at that point when, when, when uh, Trump refused to bow down to it. But uh, no, I, I mean, Americans don't care that much about foreign policy. Call the blobs bluff. And your, your poll numbers can't get lower anyway, and there's no real evidence that the blob uh, commands much force when it comes to poll numbers. Right, okay. But they do command a lot of force with elite opinion, and uh, that's the problem. Do you think they? Do you think they're more important or Tucker? Tucker's been on the 
on the right side on this, right? Well, t- t- Tucker's talking to people who are already saying they don't like Biden in the polls. I mean, that yeah. doesn't help, you know, and, and who aren't going to vote for Biden in any yeah, event right. or any Democrats. Um, so anyway, it still looks kind of, I guess, a little bit grim. You know, last time I said the the smart money was that he would invade in mid to late February. I've since heard that once you get to late February, the weather becomes unfortunate or something. I mean, I, I think once certain things too thaw, muddy. I think it has to do with things thawing and your 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 stuff getting bogged down or something. Yeah. I may be totally mistaken, but. I I still think the smart money is he does not have the logistical stuff in place right now to invade like next week. Um, there are also stories that he, in fact, has a sh- he's forming a shadow government in Kiev, which would imply he's going to go all the way. Uh, well, I mean, good luck with that. I, I you know, oops. I just looked at a linguistic map of of Ukraine and. Uh, not a lot of Russian speakers once you get into the West, I'll tell you. Uh, is, in fact, geographically, if you just look like county by county, it looks like there's not that many uh, in the East. It's just that they tend to be the areas of uh, heavy population. So there's kind of they, like a lot of rural Ukrainian speakers, even in the pretty far East. Is there any uh, chance it'll actually get bogged down in a guerrilla war where, you know, Well, that's one of our slowly- threats. That's one of our threats. Yeah, but he's he has to be too smart to get to do that. Yeah, I mean, one thing one one thought is that what he wants what, that one thing he would settle for establishing is a land bridge um from Crimea up to like Donetsk like the you know the the, the parts that are already under de facto kind of uh Russian speaking control the the stronghold of the rebels uh and uh, which would also be a land bridge, I think, to Russia itself. There, there is no land, direct land connection to Russia itself. Uh, and so he might want to establish a corridor uh, there in the southeast. I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so you think if you were giving Biden a grade on handling it, what would you give it? Well, the conventional wisdom is he gets credit for keeping the Europeans more or less together so he can credibly uh, threaten sanctions, although he undid a little of that by announcing during a press conference that he hadn't done that kind of. Um, uh, It really was. So it was a a Kinsley gaffe. He accidentally told the truth. Oh, he told the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he was telling the truth. He has this impulse, and I suffer from this myself, to kind of want to tell people that you're being candid, you know, like thinking you'll get points for that right. and, and like welcoming them into your mind to see what you're really thinking. Actually, I have found that's a super bad idea almost <laughs> always. The other thing I was thinking was maybe he was, it was ver- reverse psychology. When he, the weirdest thing I thought he said was when he said, uh, well, Putin has to do something. Well, isn't that giving the game away? I mean, and why not yeah. structure it so with the something Putin has to do is something we can live with like getting a NATO concession as opposed to a minor incursion. So I, th- but I thought it was, might've been a little reverse psychology where he said, you know, well, Putin's going to, going to do a minor incursion to discourage him for doing a minor incursion. Cause that's what so we he could prove to Biden do. wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, anyway, I guess that's, that's another not thing. It. He probably shouldn't have said he should have thought that he should put himself in 
Putin's shoes in order to, you know, formulate a good strategy, but he shouldn't necessarily share all the thinking. So anyway, you're, you're continuing with Biden's grade. Yeah, we got the, so he's maintained a united front, but the result is Putin's going to invade Ukraine. He's going to, and, and the sanctions are not going to work and we're going to look weak. Um, I mean, maybe that's not the end I mean, of the we'll world. We'll see. Uh, uh, I heard, you know, Chris Murphy, on, I heard on NPR, and he's a sm smart guy who keeps track of foreign policy, suggesting that he knew for, couldn't quite tell us how he knew this, but he apparently thought that Germany had agreed to actually axe the Nord Stream pipeline if Putin does a full-on invasion and that that fact had been communicated to Russia. That's what he said. Now, that makes no sense. True, Germany just killed its nuclear power, which so it doesn't have the energy to kill the Nord Stream pipeline. It closed, shut down two of its four reactors, yes. Uh, which so, is 6% of its Unless they're going to start them up again. I guess they could. That would be an interesting, Probably. that would be an interesting signal if Germany started up back up its nuclear reactors, but they seem to be in no, they, they have no intention of doing that. That would be smart. Um, we, we should encourage that. I mean, this is, so Merkel's made two huge mistakes. She, there's the immigration. She's, she's not the, she's not around anymore. She's not the leader. But I think she's the one who decided to kill the nuclear power. Oh, it she could left, be that it's a, she it's, left. it's a residue. Yeah, uh, could be. The, she did that and she did the opening of the, of the borders. Uh, so she's not such a genius after all. I don't even, know. Even if they, even if they assimilated the migrants who came successfully, which some people claim, it's still a horrible precedent to set. It encourages future waves and eventually you won't be able to assimilate them. What's your position on the child tax credit? Um, Bob, I'm glad you asked me that. Uh, well, you already got us back to immigration. I figured you could pull off. Uh, it was a digression. People love digressions. Well. The Dwight Garner now, principle. They love digressions. Now, speaking of things. Uh, so uh, filibuster reform is completely dead. There's no version of it. That's what people seem to be saying. And Biden, they asked him at the press conference, what's the next step in voting rights? And he said, executive action. So. I mean, obviously, part of his strategy is going to be, you know, a lot of executive actions on immigration and on the filibuster. Uh, well, or you can pass things that you can get 10 sen Republican senators to support, right? Are there elements of BBB you could do that with? Climate change, anything? Well, the child tax credit is, is reputed to be one of them. But well, uh, uh, but but the I think it will have some sort of work requirement because Romney has shown, has gotten some religion on that. And Romney is the obvious fulcrum for getting Republican votes. But well, Romney's only one vote. He needs, he needs nine more. He's gotten your religion on child tax credit or what? Yes. Well, he so, always, he, 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 is, he, he endorsed the plan that was for a refundable one without a work credit, without a work mm -hmm. test, uh, pushed by this guy, Sam Hammond at the Niskanen Center, uh, yes. in exchange for eliminating welfare and doing a lot of conservative things. And it's, he seemed to be toying with the idea of a sort of guaranteed guaranteed income approach. No, we don't require work. We just give them the cash. And But when he said, you know, recently, why can't we just, uh, you know, negotiate the tax credit separately from reconciliation, uh, he, uh, he, he, he made a point of mentioning the work issue. So that was considered like, yeah. well, he's gotten a bit of the work religion. 
Now, we should be clear. We, 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 I think we just made a confusing transition. The filibuster reform has been about the Voting Rights Act, but the reason we started talking about needing 60 votes to get chunks of BBB passed is that the, the Democrats can still, I guess, with one piece of legislation, right, use that, uh, what's, what's the term for the loophole that they were going to use? The reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation, Right. And and they were going to use that for all of BBB. But if you break it up, you can't you can't use it more than once. Right. Well, they don't know. It's all very vague how many times they can use it. They might be able to use it again. Uh, and But they can't use it for voting rights because it has to be budgetary. Right. Because it has to be budgetary. Yeah. So, but they, so they uh, they have they need 60 votes for the voting rights. They don't need 60 votes yeah. for reconciliation, but they can't even get 50 votes because they don't have mansion and cinema for a bunch of things. Uh, on reconciliation, so they had them for the voting rights. So uh, yeah. anyway, that's that's the but the, but they might be able to break. Uh, Biden's approach was rational in that he might be able to break up BBB and get more than one reconciliation vote. It, it's it's all very up in the air. Depends on the parliamentarian. Can we talk a bit about uh, whether Trump is fading or not? I mean, that's a, sure. a big story. And you know, we we, we they were like. Three columnists who said, "Wait, no, Trump doesn't have it locked up." Uh, you know, DeSantis—he has this feud with DeSantis, and Coulter pointed to some polling numbers where, you know, Biden, Biden, uh, sorry, Trump does uh, worse than you'd expect among the general population. And her, her theory was sort of the Norma Desmond theory, which is Trump's still big, but the Republican Party got smaller, so he's still big among Republicans, but they're the, the independents he's losing. So, uh, and some of them vote in Republican primaries. So you can't, uh, can't necessarily look at his poll, his poll numbers among Republicans and say, see, he's still popular. Plus the, the, uh, there was another poll that showed that the number of people who say uh, they report support Republican principles versus su support Trump, uh, is increasing. Their ratio is increasing against Trump. Plus, so it, it's, it, it, it goes to what, and uh, so there was a piece by Kurt Schlichter, who is a pretty hardcore uh, bag of guy, I think, and, and Ann Coulter and also Rich Lowry saying, no, wait, this isn't over. DeSantis can make a run against Trump. And I think that's true. I mean, plus, as Schlichter, as, as, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, said, you know, DeSantis, it does, you know, he, he runs for re-election. That means if he waits a cycle and lets Trump run this time, he'll be out of power for two years before the next presidential race runs around, turn, comes around. That doesn't really do him a whole lot. That's not really such a good position to be in. I mean, yes, it worked for Reagan. It worked for George W. It worked for, did it work for Bush? I don't know. Sometimes it works to be out of power, but, uh, it probably may not work for DeSantis, so why not run this time? This is his shot. He's hot now. No guarantee he's going to be hot in six years. So tell uh, me something. Uh, if I knew enough about Ron DeSantis, like uh, more than I do, which means anything to speak of, except that he's kind of a COVID hawk, uh, or do, which, unless it's Dove that is the word to use when well, he's you're pro not vax. the disease. But, he's pro-vax. He is pro-vax. Pro-monoclonal antibodies. 
perhaps well, who is perhaps because he's on a Joe know, Rogan's pro monoclonal antibodies. Okay, well there you go. But um, but but, but, but he, my he, offers, is he he was offering monoclonal antibodies for free to anybody who needs it. That was his big uh, initiative. So it's. My my question is, what would I, knowing what you know about my ideology, what would I think of DeSantis? I mean, presumably, I mean, like on foreign policy in particular, do we know anything? I don't know. About I don't know. I don't think we know, and probably he doesn't know. But yeah, my instinct would be that uh, you would think, just looking at him, that you wouldn't like him. But um, see, uh, but but he he, you know, if he wants to be MAGA, he's got to be uh, anti-interventionist. So. There you go. Well, I mean, but didn't we just say that the deal with foreign policy is people just don't care, the masses don't care one way or another. And it could well be that in, in trying to compete with Trump for funders, he wants to go neocon yeah. on foreign the policy. The MAGA people care about foreign policy. Maybe the they, they don't care about the blob. Which, which, MAGA, which MAGA people? You mean like Tucker Carlson? I, I have a friend who works for Reddit and says, you know, the the... At the, the for the Trump yeah, but Reddit, for the, the Trump Reddit thread, there were three instances where they turned against Trump, and one of them was when he threatened to intervene in Syria. But those they are really don't like it. In effect, it's not, those it, are not the masses. People on okay. Reddit are not the masses. They're unusually well informed. Those are in effect elites speaking. Okay, I maintain not elite elites. Okay, the uh, um, but people anyway. People don't like it when we uh. uh when people start dying, I wait. Guess. If we What's go into a war there? and people start dying, they don't like it. Oh, that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's bad. Um, so uh, no, that's when people start caring about foreign policies. When Americans come home dead in significant numbers. Um, the uh, what was I going to say? So I, on the independence issue, I mean, in terms of Trump winning uh, the nomination, I would think that. There just aren't enough independents voting in primaries for that to matter. I, I would think what would matter in a way about the independents is if their position uh, became so problematic, if the independent vote became so problematic for Trump that, again, elites, Trumpist elites got concerned that Trump what? couldn't possibly win the election. That's the way that could hurt him during the, the nomination drive. I don't know about I, 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 I don't know about independence voting in primaries. I also don't know um, uh, if 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 it's true that Republicans are, have shrunk and independents have grown. I mean, that, I think that's sort of been the pattern, but has it happened a lot recently? I don't. Independents are famously a a a, a largely Republican group. Uh, recently, uh, they're 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 sort of uh, so. I, I think they might try to vote in the primaries if they could. Um, anyway, I just think uh, there's a shot at not having Trump as the nominee. There's a shot that he won't run if he if he feels, you know, he, it might be like Lyndon Johnson and Gene McCarthy. If McCarthy didn't win the New Hampshire primary, but he did well enough to convince Johnson not to run. Uh, so it may be that, uh, you know, the, the combined... Mm -hmm weight of Trump's opponents in the primary or take such a chunk of the vote that even though Trump wins a plurality, he decides, you know, well, he codges up the, some excuse not to run. The Lyndon Johnson thing brings us back to Biden and trying to keep him from running for re-election. And, and I think the only possible path is to convince him. And I don't know who does the convincing or who does the convincing of the person who convinces him, which probably has to involve Jill. But, uh, 
I, I, I think the thing you have to convince him of is like, you will go down in history as a great person who, you know, if it won't matter what your opinion, number, your poll ratings were at the end for purposes of, of the historical evaluation, if you stopped the bleeding on the Trump front, you got Trump out of the White House and then altruistically stepped aside because you thought that maximized the chances and of your the party. You're Harry Truman. White House. Unpopular, but history will look, look at you kindly. They, well, yeah, they, but Harry Truman did run for re-election right, and, and lose. Right, but, but he was, I believe, unpopular when he wait, left did he? office. I, wait, he ran in 52, right? He ran once. He, he, he I mean, yes. He, well, he defeated Dewey. Right. He, he, Truman did defeat Dewey. So he, did he? That, that was oh, so Adlai Stevenson that ran was 48. against. That was 48. Adlai Stevenson ran in 52? Yeah. But, um, but anyway, um. Uh, so wait, the, problem, the problem with that theory aside? is by the time when Biden decides he has to run, he's running for re-election, it'll be two years out and he will still think he will be popular by the end of his term. Because look at Reagan, look at Cleveland. They were both unpopular at the midterms, but they were popular by the end. Obviously, that's what his clique thinks. So, uh, he, he, you know, you're not going to be able to make the Truman argument. But, you, but your idea is basically right. You have John Meacham, Convena. Meeting at historians at the White House, we have Michael Beschloss and Dorothy Kearns Goodwin, and they say, Joe, the way to cement your place in history is not to run. Then you'll be a statesman. Focus the last two years on achieving great things uh, without above politics. Uh, it's a bunch of bullshit, but he might buy it. Uh, so, um, you know, he bought their you bullshit know, before about it. He was the next FDR. That's the source of all our problems. There's a unified Meacham theory that Meacham is the man responsible for the failure of the Biden administration because he he pr promoted this also maybe for electing him. He promoted this I'm fighting for the soul of America bullshit. And then he convened the historian summit where they convinced him he was going to be the next FDR. So he should go for a think big in terms of build back better, which has been a calamity. Uh, so I'm just working on I'm, that. I, I'm, I Meacham's been very nice to me, and I should. I am I totally on board for blaming Meacham for as many things <laughs> as possible. Speaking of which, I saw there in the Wall Street Journal. There, I think there was a reported piece blaming uh, Schumer for the mishandling of Mansion. I'm also in favor of blaming Schumer whenever possible. Um, a what? It sounded. Did you see that piece? I did not see the piece. It seemed kind of off because it was like. I, I, I didn't read it all, but I gather the idea was he didn't really turn the screws on Manchin. I, as I read Manchin, he's got like a chip on his shoulder. You don't turn the screws on him. And he's, you got to show him lavish respect. He's wildly popular in West Virginia. You can't turn the screws. There are no screws. Uh, the, the, you know, obviously Biden's Meacham-esque turn into calling people Bull Connor. How is that going to help him? How is it going to help him get Manchin's vote if he calls him Bull Connor? Makes no sense at all. Uh uh, maybe, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe he took maybe he took Manchin aside and said, you know, I'm going to call you Bull Connor and say all sorts of nasty things about you with his voting rights, but don't really, I don't really believe it, so don't worry about it. Uh, and maybe Manchin buys that, but uh, it can't help. He, well, he said that in the press. What, what did you think of how he handled it in the press conference? He well, said, was, I wasn't saying was, they were Bull Connor. It was it was it, it, it wasn't that bad, given that he I was, know it was pretty bad. It. He first the reporter conceded that he wasn't saying that these people were actually Bull Connor, just they were on the side of Bull Connor. 
yet he responded with anger as if that's what they'd said. So he didn't listen to the question. He was primed to get angry, and he got angry. And then he took it back. Then he said, of course, history will judge that you were on the side of Bull Connor. So in effect, he compounded the insult uh, in, the, in the course of his answer. So I don't think it was very effective. And it's crazy arguing that people, just because people don't want drop boxes and want voter ID doesn't mean they're Bull Connor. We're going to basically have a fair election where, where the turnout among minorities is going to be a huge record. Uh, it's, it's, it's not Bull Connor. He should have just stopped there. <laughs> he should have just said exactly what he should have just said. That's crazy to say they're Bull Connor and then just moved on. <laughs> there you go. That would be, anyway, um, so I don't, I think there's, there's, there's some, there's some grandiosity hermetically in the hermetically sealed White House, and we still don't know what's going on there. There was a big piece in by Molly Ball, I think it was in Time, that had no TikTok at all about what you know who who made what decision to do what the Biden White House did. She sort of flicked at the fact that they're they're a little like this, you know, they're running the place, and they really they united against having anybody else brought in new who's just going to screw up their power running the place. So, but it, there must be some divisions within that camp. And, it, I, you know, I can't believe Bruce Reed has gone all for all these crazy things that Biden has done. Uh, he's too sensible. So um, I have no inside information, but maybe he has no power, but I would be interested in what the dynamics are within the Biden White House. And, you know, we have... We have no idea. It's a black box as far as we're concerned. It's true that we have no idea. Um, um, so, By the way, was there more on Kamala this week? Uh, Harris team looks to course changes to reset her political pro prospects to Washington Post. I think this is since we talked. Uh, oh, you'll like this. Uh, that's not the only, I'm quoting, that's not the only bump that emerged as Harris tries to regain momentum. Simmons, her new communications director, had to apologize last week. You probably know this. Had to apologize last week for years-old tweets in which he asked why immigration officials did not detain, quote, undocumented folks. Well, that just shows how sick the Democratic Party has become. But um, the, the fact that we're talking about the old tweets of the communications director of Colorado, that, that showed that it was a slow news week last week. I mean, you know— it was a slow she's, news week. She's Kamala Harris is still Kamala Harris. Nothing she do is going to change that. She's always going to be a disaster unless she completely lets Willie Brown take over her campaign. She's going to continue to be a disaster. So I just don't pay any attention to any of that. <laughs> What's funny is flailing. how this piece, they have a paragraph that starts, aides say it has been difficult for P Harris to shake a presidential campaign narrative that she is hard to work for. And then you think this is going to be the paragraph where she quotes the aides, the reporter quotes the aides saying that, but the paragraph continues. Several articles criticized her handling of staff amid the departure of high-profile aides in the final days of 2021. Critics scattered over two decades told the Washington Post of an inconsistent and at times degrading boss who burns through seasoned staff members who have found success in other demanding high-profile positions. This was not a good piece for Kamala. That's, but you're right, slow news week. The, the, although now it's, uh, it'll heat up when Russia invades Ukraine. And it, the, uh, press, the press conference heated it up, but also uh, it, it seems to me like, a whole lot of people are dying 
And is that just because we're boomers and boomers are just going to start dying? And this, you know, you know, a lot of people are dying. It, it, uh, and this is going to be for it, the rest of our lives until we die. We're <laughs> people are no, going to be dying. No, it's getting to where the it's getting to where the parrot room, like a newspaper, has an obituary section. Like, for example, this week, Meatloaf died. That is the uh, of the COVID. man, not the food. Sadly, on both counts of COVID. Well, uh, what did he die of COVID? Yes, that's come out, came out in TMZ report. Well, he had, he had a uh, unless he's he had unless he had slimmed down, he had one comorbidity. He had guess, slimmed right? down. He had. Yeah, we. He, he, there are various pictures on the web of him looking incredibly dapper. Um, hmm. Uh, but he was he was uh, he was apparently slightly in the uh, Trumpy anti mandate camp. So who kn we don't know if he was vaxxed or not. Mm. Uh, at least as of well, as of this morning, I didn't know if he was vaxxed or not. I mean that makes the difference. There's a day I, I and yeah. for the for the all name dropping edition. There's a name to drop with meatloaf. Oh, you're gonna drop a name in the parrot room about me? No, I'm dropping a name right now. What? What? No, well, you I don't like in the to say room. that's what they the pay for. There'll be plenty of names to oh, drop in the parrot room. Mickey. What journalist is Meatloaf related to? I've asked this before. Dun, dun, You've forgotten. Dun, 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 what prominent dun, dun, dun. journalist is actually secretly related to Meatloaf? Not only have I forgotten what you told me, when you tell me, it's not going to ring a bell. That's how. That's how far he's, gone I am. He's a prominent Washington Monthly journalist. Dun, a Charlie dun, Peters dun, protege. Dun, 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 Somebody who thinks I've gone off the reservation. That doesn't narrow it down. That doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> if it's somebody who thinks you've gone crazy. Um, um, uh, uh, he, that just rules. Uh, a for, it doesn't even rule me A, a writer out. for the prestigious, uh, boring, apocalyptic, doomsaying, in decline Atlantic uh, who has recently started a Substack? Wait, a a a a Charlie Peters protege, J Jim Fallows. Yeah, is related to Meatloaf. Meatloaf turned turned up at their family reunion. He's some sort of relation. Yeah, and you've told me this before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the alarming part. Uh, anyway, so that's one name. Tell me next week. Tell me next week. And then if I don't, if it doesn't ring a bell next week, then in the parrot room, I will do some kind of like cognitive test and that's what they'll be paying for. Um, okay. okay. I think there'll be a, a different test uh, every week. And the other guy who died was, uh, well. Um, but we will talk about meatloaf in the parrot room. We will? Uh, either the man or the food. I guarantee one or the other. What? Who else died? Andre Leon Talley. Oh, he's the Vogue editor, or yeah, he's um, in my in my book. I had like one. I I tried to eliminate any concrete signs of humanity, like actual people that readers might relate to, so I could completely focus on abstractions. And uh, the one residue of uh, concreteness that remained was an article by Andre Leon Talley about. Uh, I was trying to just dramatize the Vanity Fair sort of uh, hagiography of rich people. And it was about some woman who said, uh, who was who had horses and said, oh, the horses are much better dressed than I, which is like a, a reverse modest boast because only really rich people can have well-dressed horses. Anyway, and he sure wrote that. Andre Lantelli wrote that. In the parrot room, in the parrot room, you can explain what 
you just said meant because I'm not <laughs> sure I got that. The uh, but I will say, what will I say? Oh, speaking of rich people, uh, do you know? Here's an item that, as it happens, is in the non-zero newsletter that's going out today. But do you know uh, how the world's ten richest people have fared during the pandemic? Wealth wise, well, they've all gotten richer. We know that. Yeah, but it double, double from a from a from a total net worth of around seven hundred million to to one point five trillion. But it's, most people on the planet have seen their real income decline. These ten guys, it's, they are guys, they are white, and they're almost all American. It's it's still true that the most damaging part, I think, for society, is not the rich getting rich at the top. It's the fact that the entire entire. Right. Income structure has been pulled apart like a taffy pull. Uh, so even within professions like journalism, for example, everybody used to be paid the same. Now the superstars, those that haven't already been fired by CNN, uh, make hundreds of thousands of dollars and everybody else makes nothing, like $20,000. That's a much more corrosive effect, I think, on society than the fact that Z Mark Zuckerberg, who was really rich before, is even richer. Who cares? Uh, uh, well, actually, you know, so I, I got to say, I do think when you look at this list and, and, you know, all white guys and during the pandemic, they have doubled their wealth while the real income of most people in the world has gone down. I do understand better why people like you and me, white males, are under a certain amount of uh, fire. It's not the only reason, but I kind of get uh, how you would like look up and go like, you know, things aren't going well in the world. Apparently, these are the guys running it. And what do they have in common? Maybe we need a different, uh, well, a different it's, it's ethnic a composition in the ruling it's class. It's a standard you know? left-wing trope. Am I using this word correctly? To focus mm -hmm. on the top 0.1% and, right. and, 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 and make it seem like the, the, the income inequality in society is the rest of the 99% against the 0.1%. When it's not. The the it's the, the the top like 20, 30, 40 percent that are pulling away from everybody else. That is the not, that is the fissure in society, and it's it's not just that uh, we've made it easier for the really rich to get richer. All that is that is definitely happening, but it's that there are forces in society that we can't control, like the return to skills and automation, that are pulling us apart. Uh, in ways that aren't easily cured by left-wing cures. Yeah, you're not arguing with me here. I, I'm just trying to illuminate the perspective that I think is influential right now. And I'm not, and it seems to me sufficiently kind of natural reaction that uh, you may have to start caring whether all the rich people are are white. Um, but what about, anyway. What about the fact that there was a sensational murder in Los Angeles of a beautiful white girl from the rich West Side and all of a sudden people are going berserk in a way that they didn't go when beautiful black girls are murdered. Uh, well, that's there's a the certain amount of resentment about that. The On category. the other hand, people are right to go berserk. Okay, so what else are we going to talk about in the parrot room? I ask you. Do you want some nominees from me? Uh, sure. I have the secret to Matt of Matt Iglesias's success. We have wondered how does he produce so much. You think that he has a whole army of bright young people doing the work while he lounges around on his yacht. I think he does it. I now know, I now have the answer. It's true that it was an answer given to him by him, but I think it was given behind a paywall. 
And it turns out, by the way, he has uh, a, a weird cognitive uh, feature. He has a weird, like, brain, I guess, technically. I, it's not a pathology. It's strange. He's got a strange thing. We'll I think reveal his, this in the paradigm. I think his substack is going downhill. I think he's he's uh, he's reaching, we'll up, reaching a point of, of – it's still good, but it's just not as good as it used to be. And, I, you know, eventually he's going to run out of things to talk about. We'll have that argument, too. Uh uh, we will not run out of. Things. I can talk, talk about, about uh, what do I have to talk about? I can talk about is Henry. What's up with Henry Cuellar, who's being somehow all of a sudden the FBI is descending on him? Why is that happening? Uh, my uh, my beef with the Salvation Army. I sort of uh, I did some investigation. What what did that show? Are they too woke? Should I give to the Salvation Army? Even though they've I think gone you woke. mentioned that last Have they week. Gone woke? I've, I've always said you can't talk too much about the Salvation Army's wokeness because uh, people is, never. Talk. How is the paradroom like Yellowstone, Bob? Hit TV series. Uh, oh, I thought you meant the park, but it's a good riddle. I'll try to answer it. Uh, how the, is um, the uh, some bullshit from your favorite institute, the Quincy Institute? Uh, it's not bullshit if it came from Quincy, man. It is. By the too. way, I was on a. I was on a yeah, Quincy-related yeah, yeah, panel. You, you want me to drop a name? I'll talk about this more in the pair room, but I was on a panel, a virtual panel, a Zoom panel, but it was like live Zoom panel with a former governor of your state, Mickey. You are on a panel with Jerry Brown? I certainly was. Me and Jerry, the same plane. At the Quincy Institute? Like, we, it wasn't physical. It was on Zoom, but it was live streamed. Right. Me and him and two other people on the panel and people were like, Bob, Jerry, they're on the same plane, of course. Has he lost it? He's as old as Biden, isn't he? I'll tell you, if I'm alive at his age, I think he's in the, his early 80. I think he's over 80. I, I certainly won't be as uh, articulate as he is. That's my impression. It'd be a, good, it, it, be, it, it'd be a good nasty journalistic uh, sort of technique to compare – Jerry Brown's mental facilities at his age and Biden's mental facilities and show that you don't have to be like Joe Biden when you're 85. We know you don't have to be, but uh, some of us may well be. So who are we to throw stones? Okay. Uh, I want to say a little more about Robert Malone. Um, there's, I, I discovered beyond what I have said in the parrot room about him so far, there's something I discovered. Now that was in, my newsletter last week, on the other hand, it was behind the paywall. And then there's something else I've learned about him that can that I think helps corroborate my tentative diagnosis of him. Um, what else? I want to talk about active shooter drills, which have gotten a lot of uh, attention in the wake of that synagogue uh, hostage standoff uh, in Fort Worth. I, um, uh, I want to talk about they, they the war in the Pacific. Off, but we don't. Um, well, that's the question. That well, that's one question that will come up. Uh, the um, um, but uh, I, I, war in the Pacific. I, I I I'm slogging through this trilogy on the war in the Pacific during World War II. I want to I want to talk about uh, uh, an interesting figure in American culture who I think like should be a I I just think the the concept is inherently hilarious, which is the Los Gatos Party Mom, a woman who's in Los. jail for having parties where she encouraged uh, kids, teenagers to have sex. 
This puts her in she jail. Should be. She okay. should get she should get life for that. Uh, uh, anyway. That's kind of an unusual thing for a mom to do. Right. But experience. it seems to be I mean, I can't believe there's not already a sitcom called I hadn't Party heard Mom. about this. Um there should there's there's not a good meme about her. We should start one. Uh and uh I I I, I um I, I I hit upon a, a, a disagreement with you about China last week that I think is worthy of expanding into something bigger. Re-airing? You you you, you finally we, came up with your brilliant repast? No, 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 no. I had my brilliant repast. It was not a repast. It's just a, a, Memory a of difference that between me. you and me that seems to be worth exploring. China. Uh, there you go. Well, you'll have to, you'll have then, to wait uh, for the then, bear drink uh, too, Bob. And then uh, several things commenters corrected me on. One thing you get to, in the parrot room that you don't get on the regular podcast is I say a lot of shit that's not true, and then they correct me, and I own up to it. That's half the fun. The um, um the continuing decline of the Atlantic and the uh, formation of the uh, the basic outlines of if you were going to attack David Remnick, what would you say? You're going to talk more about that. Yeah, why not? Let's make that a series, David Remnick. I won't let you forget that. The um, And then, of course, there's your colonoscopy. Uh, but I mentioned that, so they already know about that. Uh, that'll be live. Um, That's already been done but, anyway. Yeah, I know. That was Katie Couric? Correct. You don't think we could top her ratings? Um, you know, I was interviewed by her once. Should I should I drop that name in the parrot room? Yeah, you know, I may have already told you this, but that is something to talk about because I I also had an encounter while doing that with a, a, a now famous mis, Me Too miscreant who uh, lost his job over it. Um, so, wait, there was one more thing. Oh, we'll figure it out. Um, uh, name dropping has to be more than just being on a Zoom call with somebody, Bob. I we all do I'm what we saying. can. Not all I'm of us saying. were born in Beverly Hills. Not all of us I'm got famous lessons from Arthur Ashe when we I'm were just kids. Saying. Some people's brushes Some of us with just greatness him are on more TV. authentic and textured than others. Um, we do what we can. Those of us who are born in humble circumstances drop whatever names mickey i this is how bad it is i drop your fucking name that's how few important people i know i go around going well you know i call him mickey and they're going um that is pathetic mickey who i don't believe yeah, it. it is i don't it believe is. it i do i do and they go i do it to impress women mainly i say i call him mickey and i could probably arrange you know a little uh encounter if you know what i'm saying maybe a yeah. Maybe I, I should save that for the parrot room. This is this is getting this is heading in the general direction of the gutter. So we're gonna stop and head over to the parrot room, patreon.com slash parrot room. Plus we should plug other stuff that we we don't do that enough. I'm I'm Robert Ryder on Twitter. You are, are you Kaus Mickey or Mickey Kaus? You're Kaus Mickey. Kaus Mickey on Twitter. Uh and, and I have uh, a substack which you I, have a substack called Kaus Files, mine's non-zero. And Smash the like button and rate and review the right show. That was easy. God. <laughs> that was easy. Why Folks, is if you're why listening isn't the audio, parrot responding to the easy button? That was easy. What can I say?
Wait, you can't get the parrot to recognize the voice, the fake voice? Yeah, the parrot can only recognize my voice. It's weird. This is getting it's like a little twilight zone. The parrot is imprinted with me. It's like the parrot is coming to life. There was a twilight zone about this, and it didn't end well, Mickey. I don't want to alarm you. Um, uh, what did the parrot do? Uh, I'll tell you in the parrot room, and I'll see. It, I will see you there. Eat its owner. Okay. I know enough not to give that away for free. That was easy. I'll stay in the parrot room. Okay. All right. 